Good morning, afternoon, and evening. Welcome to the 8311 Cast, episode 52. Your premier Midwestern-based sports podcast, which is the 8311Cast, featuring your hosts, Kyle Mersch, Mike Ludwig, and Wyatt Teeter, where we bring you all things sports to your beautiful ears. And this week, it's going to be Cyclone Football, the NFL, the MLB postseason, and of course, our signature segments, Mike's Stupid Rules, and Write That Down Predictions. I did, I, that was a little awkward intro, I like had to make something backwards, had to put the subject at the end of the sentence type of deal there. Oh, that was good, though. You, you remembered that our weekly turtle tab is over and didn't list it on our signature segment, so it you did your job there. It is over. Job. It is over. Dead until spring. Well, I mean, no, he's not dead. But, hey, so mini weekly turtle tab. The twins fired their mascot over the week. Some people are saying that they should just make Astadio their mascot and just call it good. So, I don't know. There's your mini weekly turtle tab for the week. I would like that. That'd be hilarious. He would be a good mascot. <laughs> Anyway, talking about actual, you know, sports and stuff, the, the Cyclone football team played another game, as they do almost every week. And this pretty much makes three straight weeks of what I'm going to call beatdowns, as uh, the Cyclones beat down on the Texas Tech Red Raiders on Saturday. Um, they took off early in the first half and uh, never really looked back. Uh, Brock Purdy threw for over 300 yards in that first half. And uh, the Cyclones only gave up 156 yards and uh, still haven't allowed a first-quarter offensive touchdown all year. Um, the uh, the Cyclones did uh, come back to earth a little bit in the second half and only ended up with a 10-point victory. But a 10-point victory on the road in the Big 12 is a very good thing, especially against a decent team like Texas Tech is. So that was very uh, good. And... Um, the biggest thing from the game for me was that, like uh, like Kyle said last week, uh, big plays fueled the Cyclones, right? I mean, we had big gains. Uh, Brees Hall had a couple of uh, big gains. Uh, Charlie Kohler caught a couple of big passes. Tyreek Milton, a couple of big plays. So it was definitely the big plays that uh, fueled that Cyclone offensive barrage it's, it's, in the first half. It's Tyreek Milton, not Tyreek. Tyreek is Tyreek Hill. He plays for the Kansas City Chiefs. That's a completely different like team and level one's professional one's collegiate so there you go just a just a little correction there all right well now you have to take over since you don't like the way i do it so i was well, jumping all over our bullet points so now you got to figure out which ones i covered and which ones i didn't in the rest of the segments you guys so talking about those big plays the cyclones average more than 10 yards per play for the second time this year uh, which is big. It's fueling the Cyclones offense. Uh, currently, they are averaging 7.4 yards per play on the entire season. Uh, that is a huge uptick since last year. Um, a lot of questions were raised about how will, how will the Cyclones fare without Hakeem Butler and without uh, David Montgomery? Well, we have found our number one running back in Brees Hall, uh, and the Cyclone receiving corps are doing just fine without uh Hakeem Butler either. Deshante Jones is, uh, is essentially the big play guy. He's the go-to whenever we need a uh, just a solid catch. But Charlie Kohler right now is the go-to on third down and for touchdowns. He is our biggest uh, red zone target. Um, right now he's leading the Big 12 in tight ends uh, for touchdowns as well as receiving yards. And out of his uh, total catches, which I believe is like 26 on the season, 22 of them have either gone for a first down or a touchdown, which it just goes to show of 
his ability to catch passes in big play situations with his 6'6 frame. Uh, he's just a big, big offensive weapon for this team. Also, talking about the he, 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 fun, two more fun facts about Charlie Cola. He's leading the Big 12 for tight ends in receptions, receiving yards, and receiving touchdowns, all by a large margin. Yes. So he's definitely the best tight end in the conference. And fun fact, I got to play catch with him once last year. So he's my favorite Cyclone. Go Charlie Cola. Okay. That is a fun That's fact. To say. Also, also in the Eckridge National Team of the Week, he was also recognized as the top tight end of the week since he hauled in uh, over 80 yards receiving as well as those two touchdowns. Um but talking, as I previously mentioned, the Cyclones have indeed found their number one running back. Uh, the game against West Virginia was not a fluke. Uh, Brees Hall is a true three-down back in this offensive uh, scheme. He played almost every single snap in the game. Overall, just a very, very impressive game. Uh, what has really impressed me so far is not his running ability, but his blocking ability. He is... On, he is able to pick up blitzes. Uh, he's been able to pick up linebackers. He's been able to help chip on linemen and just give Brock Purdy a clean pocket. Uh, when he does leak out, he can catch the ball uh, seemingly exceptionally well, especially with that one-handed grab that he had where he took it all the way down the field for a touchdown. Uh, just a great play by him. On the game, he had 256 total yards uh, with 183 of them coming on the ground. And back-to-back weeks, he is the... Uh, newcomer of the week in the Big 12. Uh, another stat for him, he is the first true freshman in ISU history to have back-to-back 100-yard rushing games. Um, but this Cyclone offense is fueled by really just two young uh, young players with sophomore Brock Purdy at quarterback. He's obviously got almost an entire season of starts under his belt now, uh, but he had another great game uh, against Texas Tech. In the first half, he had 308 total passing yards, um, which makes him, uh, which now he has six career 300-yard passing games, which is now a Cyclone record, uh, and he's still got quite a few games to play. He did have one bad throw a mistake where two receivers were in the same area and he overthrew the first one trying to get it into Charlie Kohler behind, uh, but it was intercepted and which we thought would be a big uh, turning point in that football game. But the defense was able to stop Texas tech and uh, held them to a missed field goal, which was big for the Cyclones as well. Um, But now Brock Purdy is ninth or has nine all-time conference wins uh, for a quarterback, which puts him third in ISU history uh, for quarterbacks. So just a great, uh, great performance. And Brock Purdy is in the middle of Brocktober, and he is still undefeated in all of his starts in October, which is hence the term Brocktober. Uh, Mm -hmm. But speaking about one, or speaking about all the good things, the Cyclones did have a very, very, uh unfortunate game kicking game punting was good but kicking was horrible navarison has been ruled has been deemed our long uh field goal kicker um mainly coming in and field goals uh in excess of 40 yards um and he did miss two field goals on the day as well as a missed extra point uh for the cyclones which you can't really do on the road in the Big 12, if you want to win games, now the Cyclones got fortunate, were able to come away 
with a victory out of this game. But overall, just a very, very disappointing showing from special teams. Yeah, if we keep having special teams mistakes like that, uh, it's not going to work in the in the long run, right? Those those are the kinds of things that are going to kill you uh, against Texas and Oklahoma and maybe Baylor if you face them again later. So they got to clean up those special teams mistakes. But in the end, they turned out not to matter as um, Iowa State got that win and ended up in the um, back in the AP poll. Um, they were up at number 23 is where they ended up, which was very good. Um, and Kyle, I see you have a fun fact about the Cyclones being back in the AP poll. This is a fun fact. So <clears throat> courtesy of Twitter um, and a lot of the – I don't remember exactly where I got this from. Uh, I think either Chris Williams or Brett Bloom. Uh, from, from the year 2000 to mid-October 2017, ISU spent a total of 12 weeks in the AP poll. Since October 22nd of 2017, the Cyclones will now, including this week, be in the AP Top 25 poll for the 11th week. Um, so just impressive what Matt Campbell has been able to do with this team. Um, I heard during the broadcast he is one of the only – uh, Cyclone coaches to maintain a 500 record in his first three years with uh, coaching the Iowa State Cyclones. So just a great, great job all around by Matt Campbell coaching this team in a tough conference where you have to play every single team every year. Yeah, he has been very impressive. And uh, moving on forward, they've got another test here coming up at the end of October, and that is Oklahoma State, who's coming to Ames for homecoming here on Saturday, a 2.30 kickoff on FS1. Um, the Cyclones opened as 10-point favorites at home against Oklahoma State with uh, ESPN's Football Power Index, giving them a 77% chance to win. And just like last week, this game is a must-win if you want to stay in the conversation for the, the Big 12 title. You gotta beat. You gotta beat Oklahoma State, and you gotta have just that one conference loss going into uh, the game against Oklahoma. After that, uh, it should be a tough game. Uh, Oklahoma State has probably the best running back in the uh, in the conference. So oh, by far, if not the defense, if not the one of the top three running backs in the country. They also. This will be another uh, test for the Cyclones, as they will probably see their. First true dual threat quarterback um, in Big 12 play. Uh, he is just a freshman for Oklahoma State, and he's had his ups and downs, but he is able to run the ball really well. So if the Cyclones can stop the run and put their uh, quarterback into passing situations, I like the uh, Cyclones' uh, odds to beat Oklahoma State in this game. Yeah, I think... I think they should manage to win that game. I'm not overly concerned about it, but I mean, you've just got to you just got to take care of business. Unlike you did two years ago with Oklahoma State at home, you just got to take care of business, get the W. Don't overlook them as you're looking forward to Oklahoma. But speaking of that uh, Big 12 title game, after the win, 5:38 Sports does give the Cyclones a nine percent chance to win the Big 12. So that's up from 7.1 percent last week. So. You keep winning, your chances to win the Big 12 keep going up. So, good things for the Cyclones. 
keep winning and that percentage will keep going up, especially if you can get those wins against someone like Oklahoma or Texas. Yep. Those would be the big wins to get. But don't overlook Oklahoma State and uh, go go beat them, and then you can start looking at Oklahoma and Texas. For sure. So a uh, bunch of games uh, happened this weekend in the NFL slate as well. Uh, it all started off on Thursday night where the Chiefs uh, went to Mile High Stadium and scored off against the Broncos. Uh, the Denver Broncos offense. Let's just let's just say what it was. It was abysmal. There, the Chiefs' defense, which is garbage, had nine sacks in the game. Uh, Joe Flacco couldn't do anything at all. They went. There was a point in time uh, where they did not have a first down uh, through the majority of the second half. Um, they looked bad. The Chiefs were able to take advantage. They had, did have a defensive score in this game uh, again, which really helped them on a strip sack fumble uh, recovery for a scoop and score. Um, but the big news that came out of this game was the quarterback sneak on fourth and one. Um, Pat Mahomes uh, on the quarterback sneak had his right knee hit from the side. Uh, it was a dislocated kneecap, and in the words of Travis Kelsey, his leg didn't look human. Uh, so Generally, they, your leg should look like human legs. That's a good yeah. thing. They A lot of the – Andrew Wiley, the uh, left guard, uh, also admitted that his leg looked completely wrong. Um, they did reset his kneecap on the field – uh, he did not want to be carted off the field, so he chose to walk off instead. Uh, but the outcome of this is a dislocated kneecap, which generally has a recovery time of between three to six weeks. The MRI results did show that Pat Mahomes did not suffer any uh, significant ligament damage behind the kneecap, which is the best case scenario in this um, issue. Uh, so for... The foreseeable future, the or the Chiefs um, will probably not have Pat Mahomes for the next three weeks. Uh, next week, they do have a Sunday night showdown against Aaron Rodgers and the Packers, uh, which will be a very, very tough game with Matt Moore as quarterback now for the Chiefs. Um, they did make a corresponding move to bring up a quarterback from the practice squad so that their fullback, Anthony Sherman, wasn't their emergency quarterback. For the game and then looking forward after the Packers their next two games are at home against the Minnesota Vikings and then on the road against the Tennessee Titans so overall a good win for the Chiefs uh, bad news for the Chiefs going forward hopefully we get back Pat Mahomes soon but at least they're five and two and they have a huge leg up on the AFC West which couldn't win a game none of the teams none of the other teams won a game this week uh, speaking about one of those uh, AFC West teams is the Los Angeles Chargers and in Ryan Tannehill's debut for the Tennessee Titans he had a great game um, and it was a wild wild finish in Nashville uh, there was a uh, the final two plays on the goal line or the final two plays of the game both went to booth review Austin Eckler looked like he got in the end zone he was indeed short on the next play Melvin Gordon uh, fumbled on the goal line going in. The Tennessee Titans recover and win the game by three. 
so the Chargers are in some trouble right now. They're sitting, I believe, at three and three and four. I don't know what their record is right now, but they they have not won close games that they've needed to against teams that they should beat should have beaten, especially coming into the season as a dark horse Super Bowl uh, contender. Um, but that seems to have potentially gone out the window for the time being. Philip well, Rivers yeah. and yeah, when, the entire team has been plagued with turnovers the entire season, and that's sit, decimated them. Sitting at two and five, like the Chargers are, you you really just don't have a chance anymore. Two and five yeah. is really really hard to recover from. I mean, it's, according to according to five thirty eight Sports, the chances to make the playoffs even are are at six percent, much less actually being able to. Uh, to make the playoffs. And after so. three games, they were sitting at nearly a 70% chance to make the playoffs with a decent chance to win the division still, but that does not look like it'll be the case, even if with Pat Mahomes uh, being out in that division. Yeah, but no. another quarterback who is finally looking good is Kirk Cousins. Um, he looked good in another Vikings win, um, connecting with Adam Thielen, as well as Stefan Diggs. Um, and their receiving core is starting to uh, get it going again. Adam Thielen did go out after that touchdown uh, that he caught. He will be okay, according to reports. Um, but they were able to uh, outlast Matt Stafford and Marvin Jones for touchdown performance um, as they do get a good division win against a good uh, Lions team. Yeah, that was, a, that was an overall very quality win for the Vikings. Uh, the a little little concerned about that defense now, though. That's all a lot of points to give up. Granted, it was a road game, and the Lions aren't, you know, bad. But that's still a lot of points to give up. Xavier Rhodes, who a couple of years ago was one of the best cornerbacks in the NFL, now looks below average. Like, he's he's just becoming he probably the third best cornerback on this team now. And he's being paid, like, the second most money of anybody on the team behind Kirk Cousins. So that's really a problem, and there's no way Xavier Rhodes uh, is around next year on his current deal uh, with the way he's playing. So slightly concerned about the defense, especially with uh, games coming up against the Chiefs offense, so they might be without Pat Mahomes, as Kyle said earlier. Uh, and, you know, games against Seattle and Dallas uh, still later, where the offense could be uh, – or the defense could be tested. So I'm more concerned about the defense now than I am about the offense, which is the exact opposite of what we were saying three weeks ago. So who knows about the Vikings? Very confusing. Another another team in the NFC North that is very, very confusing right now is the Bears. Their defense has been good, but their defense can't be good when they're spending the entire second half on the field because their offense can't get a first down. Uh as of right now, the Chicago Bears are looking abysmal with Mitch, Mitch Trubisky at quarterback. Um, so far, they are the only team in the NFL not to have a game so far this season with 300 yards of total offense. That's, That's not sad. Good. You need to move That's the ball sad. to win normally. That is sad. And they're having, they're having to rely on their defense making plays as well as special teams. Uh, Cordell Patterson had a very, very good uh, kickoff return was it a kickoff return or a punt return? Either one. Kickoff, he took it, took it all the way to the house. Uh, great run back by him. But the Bears look bad against a, a very, very good Saints team um, whose defense showed up and almost screwed me in fantasy football this week uh, until the Bears offense finally had over 200 yards of offense in the game. 
until late in the fourth quarter, they didn't even have over 100 yards of offense, which just goes to show how how discombobulated they were. They brought in Matt Nagy to hopefully uh, make this offense better, and that has not uh, panned out well for them. Everybody is wondering, of course, as they have been, why did they select Mitch Trubisky with the number two overall pick in the draft when they could have potentially selected either Pat Mahomes or Deshaun Watson in that same draft? Both quarterbacks are performing way better as of right now for their respective teams. Yeah, definitely doesn't look like a smart draft pick at this point by the uh, by the Bears. But, you know, we'll see what happens. He could still pan out, and, you know, Pat Mahomes could never come back from this knee injury. And then it'll look like a smarter sure. pick. But That's Pat true. Mahomes is going to come back from this knee injury. He so, will. He will. But the best team – or not the best team. Well, one of the best teams in the NFL right now is in the best division in football right now. That is the NFC West. The 49ers, the Rams, the Cardinals, and the Seahawks are all playing very, very good football right now. And that's a Cardinals team that everybody thought was going to be the second worst team in the league, uh, right ahead of Miami Dolphins. But right now, the Cardinals have won three straight games. Kyler Murray has been efficient uh, at the quarterback position. um, And David Johnson has been getting back to running, although he was out in this game against the Giants. Uh, and Carson Edwards decided to run for over 100 yards and three touchdowns. Um, The Rams were able to get back on track. Jared Goff had a good game against a very, very bad Atlanta Falcons team. Matt Ryan did end up leaving this game with an ankle injury. Uh, uh, Todd Gurley had a good game, but the 49ers were able to survive in Washington. Uh, This game was a very sloshy and wet game. wet game it was pouring rain for the entire game uh on a grass field um players were trying to run and they would slip and just continue sliding from the field of play off to the sideline uh every time they made a step there was a huge puddle of water splashing behind them just a sloppy game only three field goals uh and the 49ers defense held the redskins offense to zero points and they are probably the best, I would say the best all-around defense in the league. The Patriots' defense is the best scoring defense in the league right now, but I do believe that the 49ers have a championship-caliber defense. Do they have a championship-caliber offense? That is yet to be known. Jimmy Garoppolo has been a little susceptible at quarterback and a little inaccurate at times. But overall, this is one of the best teams in football. Uh, Seattle Seahawks did lose a tough game to the Baltimore Ravens in Seattle. Uh, Russell Wilson did not look like his usual self. Uh, They allowed Lamar Jackson to run for over 100 yards. But this is a very, very good Seattle Seahawks team still. uh, And they're sitting, I believe, at 5-2 on the season so far. So not, not a bad team at all. Best division in football is in the West, the NFC. And if the best division in football is in the uh, NFC West, then the worst division in football has to be in the NFC East. Can we talk yes. about that that Sunday night football game uh, this week? The the Cowboys had looked bad for three straight weeks, and the Eagles had been okay. Um, and then the Cowboys just go out there and they absolutely embarrass the Eagles. Like, what is going on with that division? The Cowboys at four and three are the best team in the division. I mean, that division is just awful 
And that's a that's a Cowboys team that hasn't been able to beat good teams. They've only beaten the Miami Dolphins, the Washington Redskins, and they lost to the New York Jets. They they can't seem to win games that matter. I don't think I don't think this is a good playoff team. Uh, Chris Collingsworth was talking about how Dak Prescott needs to get needs to get a new deal. Jerry Jones needs to get him in there and sign him to a massive contract extension. Talking about how how they won't be able to find another quarterback. Look at what the Carolina Panthers have done with Kyle Allen. He's come in and gone undefeated. Dak Prescott is not the solution to every every problem for the Dallas Cowboys right now. And they have a lot of problems, it seems like, although Amari Cooper is an absolute stud. But the team that has them has more problems are the Philadelphia Eagles. They have been obliterated by injuries so far this season. They don't have any healthy bodies in their secondary anymore, practically. Their defensive line got banged up uh, in this game against the Cowboys. It's just a war of attrition, and Carson Wentz has, did not look get good in this game at all. <clears throat> Yeah, but I agree. NFC East is probably the worst division in football. For sure. Right. Well, we'll see if that changes because you know these things have a tendency to change significantly as the uh, as the year as the year goes along. But we'll have to see if they continue to change or not, or if those divisions still stay bad. But one league where we do know um, who is good and who isn't is definitely. Major League Baseball, because, you know, we've gotten to the point where it is the uh, the World Series. So generally the good teams are the ones that end up in the World Series. So I think we know that the Washington Nationals and Houston Astros are good teams. What a those great ALCS, Yeah, that was a really good ALCS. Astros and the Yankees. Yeah, it really was. I mean, it, went six, it went six games with uh, the Astros finally winning it. Um on a on walk, a walk off, off walk off two run home run by Jose Altuve after the Yankees hit a two run home run in the top of the ninth to tie it back up at three. So it was incredible four. suspense at in four. That, at four, four. sorry, in yeah. that uh, ALCS game six. Um, and frankly, I was happy that Houston won it because I don't like the Yankees. I was, so this is yeah. the this is the first decade since the 1910s that the Yankees had not made the world series can you just can you just imagine that the first decade since the 1910s that your team hasn't made the world series talk about a spoiled fan base and we'll talk about the yankees fans a little more in just a minute but since we're down to our two world series teams i want both of your predictions about who will win the world series and how many games um i think mine is obvious because it was my prediction at the beginning of the playoffs that it would be nationals over astros and seven so i'm gonna stick with nationals over astros and seven i'm gonna go i'm gonna go the houston astros and seven they get garrett cole to start uh in game one he will most likely start again in game four and i believe he'll be available to come out of the bullpen in game seven uh similar to what the 2014 san francisco giants did with madison bumgarner by far, Garrett Cole has been the best pitcher in uh, the postseason thus far with a .08 uh, earned run average, although this will be a pitcher's duel between Scherzer and Cole in Game 1. But I do believe since Garrett Cole did not have to pitch in the ALCS Game 7 since he got the nod in Game 1 for the World Series, I do believe the Astros will win in 7. 
Just to well, disagree I, with Kyle, I'm going to say the Astros in five, not seven. Oh, I was going to say seven, but five? you said seven, so I'm going to go five and hope that the Nats just go for it. That, that's all I got. Got to have a hot take in there. You're right. I mean, yeah, you're right. You're right. It would be good to have a hot take in there. But, I mean, I don't know. I think that the Nationals pitching is too good to uh, to lose that quickly. But we'll see. It's the Nationals' first <laughs> ever World Series. So, you got to watch the games. So, you got to watch it, the games. It'll and be fun a fact, the first game will be on Tuesday night at 7 p.m. So, Tuesday so much, so at much, 7. Watch the so World many Series. great great sporting events coming up world series game one tomorrow night tuesday night uh for those who are fans of the nba uh world series game two in the nba will be kicking off or will happen on wednesday night thursday night football uh friday night another world series game um and then saturday college football world series sunday world well just a overall great slate of games what a yeah. time to be alive. It is. It is a very great time of year for sports, unlike during the All-Star break, where it is a very not great time to be uh, a sports fan. So, also, I mentioned a little bit ago that I was going to uh, talk more about Yankees fans, and that is our uh, Who's Pissed Off segment this week. Um and that is me. I am pissed off at Yankees fans because they're just stupid. They're just idiots. They're just they. I'm. Ugh, I, I can't even. I can't even articulate how upset I am at Yankees fans for being dumb. They are. Ugh, they frustrate me to no end. So they boo everybody for no reason. Like during the Twins Yankees series, um, whenever um, whenever any of the Twins players were announced, anybody, even like the massage therapist and strength trainer, the Yankees fans rained down endless boos on them. Like, you're going to boo the massage therapist? Wow, you really hate the Twins massage therapist? Good for you. Way to be classy. And then uh, in game, was it game four or game five, Kyle? I know I was messaging you about this. Um, uh, they, uh, it must. It had to be game five. I didn't watch game four. Okay. Yeah, so it had to have been game five between the Yankees and Astros. Um, Jose Altuve is coming up to the uh, to the plate in the late game situations, and uh, right, and the, the the entire Yankees crowd just starts chanting "F Altuve." Except you know they're actually saying a bad word that I'm not going to say because this is a family friendly podcast. But like, what did Altuve do except be a be a great a great player in the in the MLB and just an overall player who loves the game. This was a kid who the Astros didn't even believe he was 18 at the time when they tried him out. And they originally put him on it or they gave him a very, very small amount of money. And just, he talked his way into having a chance with the Astros. And now he's the MVP of the ALCS and just had a monster series. Mm -hmm. You can't, like, it's okay to boo John Carlos Stanton or Bryce Harper. Don't boo Jose Altuve. You can boo players because they're jerks, but don't boo him for no reason. Like, you can boo Brett Gardner because he's a jerk. He doesn't respect the game of baseball with that stupid bat. I, I, I'm done here. Yankees fans are awful. I'm done. I'm going to stop complaining because I'm going to get myself too upset to do the rest of this podcast. And I'm in charge of pretty much the rest of these segments. So if I'm too upset to do the podcast, we're in big trouble. So 
We're gonna we're gonna well, just stop. you can't be upset now because this is literally your favorite part of the podcast. Every this week. is my favorite part of the and podcast. And now you That's get true. it back. I have relinquished the duties back to you this week. Yes, yes, you have. So we will do Mike's stupid rules segment. And this is a rule that I didn't even know about that came up on Saturday in college football. Um that happened. So this happened in the uh, Washington Oregon game. Uh, Oregon scores a touchdown on the uh, first drive of the game, and then they kick off. And Washington does a trick play. Well, what they do is after the ball is kicked, they have one of their players lay down in the end zone, where his, his jersey blends in with the end zone. And then you know all of the Oregon players go towards the ball, and then. Um, the ball gets thrown back to the to the guy who was laying in the end zone after he stands up as a lateral, and he runs out to the 50. Now, the officials threw a flag at this um, for apparently unsportsmanlike conduct, and this was a rule they added just a couple of years ago, and I couldn't find the actual rule. But for some reason, there's a rule against laying down, um, trying to disguise yourself with the uniform color and something on the field. Um and I was just really very confused as to, well, like I wasn't confused. So like it's unsportsmanlike to lay down and try to confuse the other, the opponent based on the colors of the field, which makes it seem like apparently he could lay not in the end zone and he would have been okay. Anyway, apparently it's unsportsmanlike conduct to lay down in the end zone of your own color. Because I don't know. the way that Mike uh, Pieri or whoever – the rules analyst for Fox, the way he explained it is that you're actively dis- trying to deceive the other team. I mean, that's literally one of the objectives of football. The, the, there's a reason you don't tell your opponent what play you're about to run. It's because you're trying to receive them. But this this so, was added this was added to college football the year that Kansas wore all blue uniforms and deceived, I believe it was Texas. Uh, when they laid down in their all-blue turf end zone, his the player was completely camouflaged. So the, the actual rule, I, I pulled up the rule here in the NCAA rulebook. This was implemented in 2018, uh, at least. It's Rule 9, Section 2, Article 2, Subsection C. And the rule simply states, no equipment may be used to confuse opponents. I think that's where the, this unsportsmanlike rule comes into play. Which I kind of understand not using equipment, I guess, to confuse people, laser pointers or something stupid like that, right? But I feel right. like there should be an exception for uniforms, something that you that's going to be on the field anyway. I feel like you should use that too as your as an advantage. Like, I I don't see that being an unsportsmanlike play to lay down in the end zone to confuse your opponents. If you're shining lights in their eyes or using siren, I don't I don't know what you know else you can use there. But I feel like. The thing that you're going to have on the field anyway, you should be able to utilize as a resource to help you win the game. Yeah, I agree. I don't know. I also agree. But that's the rule. So there's a reason they don't put rules up for majority vote. So that's because, you know, they don't like people like us deciding on rules. That's why the rules are the rules. That's part of the reason I love rules is because they're the rules. And there shouldn't be any gray area in rules. But, you know, especially in football, there's gray area everywhere in the rules. And nobody the rules. Likes it. So, anyway. Oh, speaking the... of rules. Well, yeah, what do you got for rules? Lane, Lane Kiffin got fined for. <laughs> yeah, he did. Being upset about rules. Uh, I asked the person who originally tweeted about it if Lane Kiffin had a Venmo. I was and said asking for a friend. Um, I did 
did not receive his Venmo. Uh, so, so that was that was unfortunate. I was going to Venmo him some money for his $5,000 fine from the NCAA, but <laughs> it's all right. It would have made a great, great story. Yeah, but anyway, go look that up if you haven't done it. I don't. We don't have time to explain it now. So go look up why Lane Kiffin got fined if you uh if you haven't done it already. So, but why you can tell us what comes next? Because uh yeah, well actually you come next. I believe we're going to the accountability session where we're gonna take one thing off the board today. Yep, and it has one thing. You. It does. It does in fact. You predicted uh, before the playoffs started that uh, Joe West would blow a call in the playoffs. Um, he won't even see the uh, field in the playoffs. Uh, he was not selected as an umpire for any of the games, uh, including this World Series, nor is he an alternate. So we're just going to take that prediction off the board, even though it hasn't, you know, even though it's still, you know, slightly possible, but it's not really not possible because really. he's not even an alternate. So for that, why it gets a nah. So, that is all our write that down prediction. Or that is all our whoa accountability session. I'm getting ahead of ourselves here. So now we will go into a write that down predictions. And like normal, Kyle will start us off. Yeah. Go for it, Kyle. So my prediction this week is Iowa State will make the Big Twelve championship game. Not win the Big Twelve. They will make the Big Twelve championship game. Um. Triple. I was, yeah, I was between a double and a triple. I, I'd say I'd give triple. A triple for that. I'd say triple. We'll give because there's for there that. are four teams who are who are yeah. essentially in it right now. Yeah, yeah. Basically, it's Oklahoma, Texas, Iowa State, and Baylor who are still in the hunt for that. Yeah. And Baylor and Oklahoma are most definitely in the driver's seat. Yep. yep. So that's that's yeah exactly. That that loss to Baylor is going to hurt in the long run. Very Mike, much what do you got? Yeah, I am going to jump on this University of Minnesota. Uh, hype train that is uh, don't coming you need through. to don't you need to jump in the boat though we could it's roll the a, boat they don't have a train Purdue has a train but Minnesota has a boat yes I'm gonna I'm going to row the boat with this gopher season as they have started seven and0 and are now a top 20 team um, in the nation and I will say that the gophers will make a New year's six ball game so either you know college football playoff <laughs> Rose Bowl some other New year's six ball game. That's my so, prediction. So keep in mind the Gophers are seven and zero, but their last four games are Penn State or our top ten Penn State at home, at top twenty five Iowa, at Northwestern, and a top fifteen Wisconsin teams. So home run because in order yeah. to make, I'm gonna say in order to make a New Year's Six bowl, they have to get through that schedule with only one loss, and then they would need to win the Big Twelve champion or Big Ten championship game. Sorry. In order yeah, to make that, it New Year's Six. That's so, not going to happen, buddy. That's a home run. I would agree with that. They need to all but win out. So Nice yeah. home run prediction. Yeah, Wyatt, what do you got for a prediction? Um, um, that's a really good question. I've been thinking about this long and hard because I didn't have anything to say right now. So I'm totally stalling while I check something real quick. And then I'm going to make a prediction based on something very interesting that everybody will think is cool. So then they, by proxy, think that I am also cool and not actually super lame. Totally not stalling, and my app just froze. So I'm going to say that my fantasy football team will will uh, have a winning season. 
Your fantasy football team yeah. will have a winning season. All right, uh, now you're going to make me go in and investigate how your fantasy football team is doing. Yeah, I don't even uh, know what it is, so let me know. League um, standings. Let's see. Currently, Wyatt's team is 2-4. Uh, and four. <laughs> And let's see. How are you doing this week? So are you going to be 3-4 and four, or are you going to be 2-5? and five? He is going to be 3-4 and because he beat Jacob. Okay. So, so I'd give final him a final I'd standings give him a and projections, uh, based off of draft day and what current projections say, has Wyatt finishing fifth in the league. Um, so I'm gonna say double. I'm gonna also say double because I feel like if you're fifth in the league, you should at least have a winning season. You're right. I don't think that happened last year though. Anyway, that's my it's my thing. Do we have anything from Josh? I do have a prediction from Josh. Josh said that Rogers throw uh, that Aaron Rodgers will throw for an average of 380 yards per game over the next two weeks. It's the yardage that Brock Purdy had this past Saturday. Is 380, mm-hmm. 382, or something? Mm-hmm. Not yeah. Well, he's, he's gonna have a field day against the Chiefs unless they run the ball down our throats. Who's uh who's next up though after the Chiefs for the Cheeseheads? Does anybody know? I do not know. Um, I will I Google do. it. Yeah, you Google that for us here. Uh, after the it Chiefs, like they have the Bears. Is a, oh, what? Oh, nope, no, sorry. No, the Chargers. The Chargers. The Chargers. So that's like that's like a, that's like a single. Yeah, it's... Uh, that's yeah. A, that's, we'll I'll give him a... I kind of want to give him a double just to not be rude, but like... But if, if, if we give him a single, that's the cycle for him. That's a, all right. that's a cycle for our prediction. So maybe we have to do that just so we have a, a yeah. prediction we, cycle. We need to have a cycle. It, 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 it single. is a single. I just I feel kind of bad. No. If we all think it's a single and that gives us the cycle, then uh, he gets a single. So we got a single for Josh, a double for myself. Kyle gets a triple and Mike with a home run. And with that cycle being completed for the Write That Down seg- prediction segment, that is the end of that segment, which also means it is the end of the episode. Thank you so much for listening to episode 52 of the 8311 cast. We really appreciate you stopping by. Make sure you tune in next week as well to check out episode 53 because we do our episodes in sequential order. Wow. And that is amazing. Awesome. Drop us a line at uh, 8311cast.fireside.fm slash contact and check out our Instagram at 8311cast. That's 8311 Charlie Alpha Sierra Tango if you want your phonetic NATO alphabet there. Signing off for the 8311cast, we have your hosts, Kyle Mersh. Mike Ludwig and Wyatt Peter. We'll talk to you again next week. Go Cyclones. Go Cyclones. Cyclones.